Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone from around the world listening on iHeartRadio, or if you might be listening in the podcast on on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or iHeartRadio itself. Um, it's such a joy to be here with you all. I can't believe that um, it's already Tuesday since, you know, where did the week go? I want to give a special shout out to my friend Barry Laub, who is celebrating his birthday today. So happy birthday, Barry. I know you're listening, so um, have a joyous birthday and may it be filled with overflowing blessings. And anybody else whose birthday it is today, the same for you. Um, You know, this show is one of my blessings, and what makes it such a blessing is you, the listeners, and my guests, because my guests, I hear every week from all of you listening to the show how my guests help you shift your perceptions and and change the way you're thinking about things and how you learn new questions and, and you know, get exposed to whole different ideas. I had somebody who heard the show last week from Sue Hitzman from Melt, who was in Hawaii, and now they're looking for Melt classes in Hawaii, and somebody in Chicago and and Michigan and all over in uh, Europe and stuff, saying, I'd never heard of it. I want to find out how to get out of pain. So that's the power of radio. That's the power of the podcast that comes afterwards. And today I have another special guest that I'm bringing to you today, That came in because of some previous guests of mine, Bob and Christine Wright, who um, are the founders of Stress Free Now, and they've been on my show, and they're incredible people. And they introduced me to Alan Eisenberg, who is my guest today, and he is the founder and managing director of Bullying Recovery. He's an author, a speaker, certified life, solution-focused, health and wellness coach, more than anything else. He is a survivor of youth bullying and has turned that experience into being an anti-bullying activist and blogger. He started his blog site about the long-term effects of bullying at bullyingrecovery.org. The site has over 1.2 million visitors and is used in schools for bullying, teaching. You know, he's written books. Bullying is not what we used to think it is. It goes to so many different levels now. So I thought it was really critical to have Alan on the show today. So Alan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Laura. And I, I love your, your name of your show. It's all about the questions because it really is. There's so many questions that always surround every issue. And, and certainly bullying is one that has tons of questions around it. So I'm looking forward to, to talking about that and, and, and sharing that. You know, when I was growing up, I never thought that I was bullied or anything like that. But when I started reflecting on it, a lot of things that happened in my life were in some ways subtle bullying, that you don't realize it. And bullying has taken a major front seat in the press between Lady Lady Gaga um, talking about it and, you know, all the celebrities and kids being committing suicide because of bullying. I mean, look, just mm-hmm. even look at the Trump, Clinton, all the politicians that's bullying. Mm-hmm. Can we start out by defining bullying? Yeah, and, and bullying by definition, and, and this gets a little interesting, is the overpowering of one person over another using um, tactics and, and uh, belittling method, methods to do that, and also separation. So uh, you know, a big part that we don't really think about when it comes to bullying is they're they're separating out the victim 
um, or the survivor, as I like to say now. Uh, and really, it, it's, it's a very personal level issue. And that gets confused sometimes when you read about hazing, like, you know, hazing in sports or, or stuff. That when, it, when it's group, when it's done to a group, that's very different than done to an individual. So, so bullying by definition is really about ostracization. Um, now ignoring is a big uh, tactic in bullying. And really, you know, the, the idea that you're singling out one particular person and attacking them personally. But that personally doesn't have to be physical presence because now we've no. got the cyberbullying, which is a way of bullying without ever being seen. Right. And, and I like to tell people, you know, we, we had cyberbullying growing up too, Laura. It was just called the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people would call and breathe heavy into the phone and then hang up. And, of course, this was before caller ID. So <laughs> I always say yeah. that. You know, there was always some form of, of way that somebody could do something to you and be anonymous about it. So that's the, of course, the new tragedy is that there's a lot of anonymous bullying going on, um, which uh, just this week, you know, I, I follow every story I can. And just this week in Texas, an 18-year-old girl um, kept having that happen to her. They kept um, putting a, a site up and then they'd call the police would go down and it would come back up another few days. And the tragedy of the story, unfortunately, is that she wrote an email to her family and said, you know, I'm going to take my own life. They rushed home. She had a gun in her hand. She told them to turn around. They did. And she shot herself in the chest and killed herself. And these kind of things happen. <laughs> these unbelievable. I always say you know, reality is so much harder than fiction. But these are the things that are happening. And even 11-year-olds, you know, Young children are writing letters and saying, I'm doing this because I was bullied. And they, they truly get to a point of seeing no way out of their situation. Do you think bullying has gotten more intense than it? I'm 53 now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I remember certain things that happened in school, but I, I do remember the principal and the teachers at the first sign of anybody doing anything that you would call bullying Back then, I mean, the school I went to, PS29 in Yonkers, New York, they shut that right down. Same thing in, mm -hmm. in my high school. Is, is that not happening now, or do you think there's something else going on that the press is building it up? I, don't, I just don't understand. It's a bigger, it seems to be a much bigger issue now. Yeah, it's funny. When I, when I started working on this issue in 2007, you would have been hard-pressed to find news about it. And I had no idea of that. That's why I started uh, Bullying Recovery. And I started by writing my own stories down because I felt that uh, children uh, and young people needed to know that an adult still thinks about these things. Because I, I felt like uh, one of our problems is, and, and as a parent I know it was a problem even to do, is to admit that you were, you know, you had this happen to you because you, you feel weak, you feel... Um, like, you know, you were, you were, uh, you don't want to show that to your kids or other adults that you were this person that, that was bullied and, and handled. But what we see and what you see, you know, is that it, it was there. I don't think anything has changed. Certainly attitudes have changed where when I grew up, it was more kids being kids and, and that philosophy that it's just a rite of, of passage of life. 
I don't think we think that way anymore, finally. But that, you know, it's, it's also prevalent. It's also something, you know, I, I say is human nature, and we're, we're not going to stop it, which is why I talk about bullying recovery and not, you know, to, to say um, I do anti-bullying activities. I don't really do anything to prevent bullying. I'm, I'm more worried about people recovering from bullying because I think we see a lot of adults even that walk around with a lot of damage done to their psyches and their their mental health and their physical health even from bullying. And that's and that's now, luckily, the science has caught up with the issue, and, and that's now called complex PTSD, which simply means that you know, child abuse, it was abuse of the child versus PTSD, which we think of as, as more adult-based abuse or, or wartime abuse. Well... I don't know if you read in the paper, I know it hit the, the national news here in Vero Beach. One of our high-level fire chiefs, um, he committed suicide, and he had written a letter. Yeah. And he called the police to come find say, this is where my body will be. And he, he said the PTSD just got to him, and he took his own life. Right. And, and that's one of the, the great misnomers, too, is statistically, as we think um, that, that children, you know, it's considered the second— the second biggest cause of their of, of death for, for youth is suicide. But the highest level, the highest percentages are actually midlife, are actually people in midlife. And I think it's interesting because I think in many cases, you know, we used to talk about midlife crisis. I think it's people who, you know, start to feel as if their life never really amounted to what they wanted it to be, and they feel their, their self-esteem um, which was damaged possibly years ago, um, is, is down. And, and that's, that's really the interesting thing is the largest percentage are actually middle-aged people. Um, but, of course, they, they die from many other things. So statistically, suicide's not as high a level as a young person. So but, how do you figure out that your child is being bullied? Well, that's the hard part, and, and it depends a lot on age. So if you're dealing with young children, they'll usually be more vocal with their parents. Um, you know, you, you, you should see attitude changes. I, I think, again, part of it is, is learning to be an empathetic uh, person and understand the empathy side of the equation. We think a lot about sympathy, but we don't realize empathy. So you know, I always say if, if we went to school and you had, like, uh, EQ, emotional or emotional attendance as much as well as a uh, did did they show up in their seat? Well, did they show up in their seat and were they silent the whole time? Did they are their grades dropping? Are they not communicative with people that used to be their friends and all of this? And so I think as parents we we need to be able to observe those things as well, but also you know be, be communicating with the community groups like the school. Like, are you seeing this? Uh, is this something? But we have to pay attention, and that's where things get very interesting. Uh, and then when, the, when, when, a, when a child becomes a teenager, of course, it becomes much more difficult because teens, just by nature, do not communicate well with their parents. <laughs> and usually these things get buried for them. They don't want to. This is where the shaming starts. They start feeling ashamed of, of the fact that they're being picked on. And, and they start not communicating. But again, they're going to be showing 
things. So again, if you were taking emotional attendance in school, grades are dropping, they're not raising hand, they're obviously looking upset, maybe they're sick more than often than they used to be. You know, these are all signs and symptoms, just like going going to the doctor, you have, you know, if you have strep throat, you got signs and symptoms. There's signs and symptoms to, you know, the destruction of the of the psyche of the uh, mental health of an individual who's being bullied relentlessly. Now, going back to your own experiences as a child being bullied, if you put that backwards view, could you see that behavior now in yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was... <laughs> I, I just look at pictures of myself in seventh grade when I was probably teetering on the edge of some very dangerous areas for myself, uh, but I had been relentlessly bullied, and this is how I started my website, by writing these, what were 24 stories uh, that I could recall uh, very easily from my childhood um, in, a, in a, that was a six-year period of living in this one area in Massachusetts. And if you look at the progression of the pictures, you see you know, a very unhappy boy at the end who also had dark circles under his eyes because he wasn't sleeping and doing other things he shouldn't have been doing. Um, and, and yes, and, you know, grade school, uh, you know, I was, I was doing things that were totally against my nature. Uh, my self-esteem was totally gone. Uh, I, was, I was a chameleon with the people that were my friends. This is what I always say is if, if they were, you know, first of all, I was, I was not going to be getting to hang around the, the best people, so some of my choices in who would hang out with me were not good. Uh, if they were, one was a shoplifter, if they shoplifted, I shoplifted because I wanted them to think I was cool. Yeah. Right. If they did something, then I was doing something. And I was so unhappy with who I was, I was so unloved by myself. And that's really the key is, you know, we, we lose our authentic, what we call our authentic self. Um, so, you know, after, after a relentless large amount of bullying, I was doing anything I could to avoid being bullied. And, and, of course, there was nothing I could really do because my personality was such that I was, I was just a target victim, um, which is what you find out. You know, there are different, we all have different personalities. So it's like you were saying at the beginning of the show, you don't recall getting bullied that much. I would probably say you were probably a pretty good child negotiator, meaning you, you probably had a skill to negotiate yourself out of things with other kids, or you might have been a, a person who could let things roll off them. I'm, I'm, I'm defined as a, what's called an HSP or a highly sensitive person, which you might also say is like an empath. And I don't mean that like Star Trek empath. You know, Although that's one of my favorite episodes ever. And Bob Wright and I have had many conversations about that because he and Christine have termed me an HSP. Right, right. So there's, there's books on it. And it took me a while to figure out you know, why, I was, why I was victimized. Why, why was I the target? And, and you know, you, I think you should, you should always look inwardly. It's not that I deserve to be a target. It's one of the things I always tell people is, you know, it's like it's like what we do with rape victims. You know, what were you wearing? How were you acting? Did you have a lot to drink? Did you come on to the person? You know, all what what does any of that matter? They were raped. 
You know, so if I have a personality that makes me a target, that doesn't give anyone a right to to, to target you. Yeah, yeah. But but we still think like that sometimes. Like many of the many of the things that were being done to me in the school, you know, with the adult trying to help, or well, why don't you change this, or why don't you do this, or no, because I can't. Because I'm an I'm an empathic person. If if someone's you know hurting me, I'm going to cry. <laughs> can't help it <laughs> yeah it's like yeah so so it was one of those it was one of those things where i think um we don't i i knew and and because of being sort of a highly sensitive person i kind of knew for years and i would tell my mother for years luckily again the, the other part the other another equation here which is how close a family do you have how you know how well do you feel and I would tell my mother, who's an admitted Pollyanna type person, you know that that I was being affected. I was being affected mentally. I was feeling sick. I had stomach problems. I had all these things. And I'm like, somehow I know it's about the bullying. Somehow I know, you know, my fight or flight was broken. So every time I'd have that feeling, you know, hair standing up on the back of my neck for no reason, I'm like, this feels just like it did when the bullies approached me. And I'm like, something's wrong. <laughs> I think I said this for 30 years, and then I finally did something about it. So what was but, the turning point for you that made um, you realize you, you know, like that, that movie, I've had enough, you know, um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to take it anymore. What was the, <laughs> the turning network. point for you from the movie network? I'm not going to take it anymore. I think truly when when the Internet, I bought, you know, I'm, I'm, I majored in communication studies. I believe in broadcasting. I believe greatly on the internet and our ability to communicate like we're doing today with people that may be going through things that, um, or may, may not know answers to certain things that, that, that we can offer them. And so for me, once, once sort of the internet hit the point where I decided I had a subject I wanted to write about, and I can't really, really recall exactly. Well, yes, I actually can. <laughs> Two things happened. You know, one one was Columbine, Colorado, um, and even though that the end result of the investigation doesn't say that the boys were bullied, it it bothered me. And and stories of bullying would co- did come out of that that issue. And then I went to Virginia Tech, and then they had their shooting, and that boy definitely they investigated and had uh, a lot of bullying happen to him when he was in high school. And I think it was at that point I just said, you know what, I'm, you know, Virginia Tech was just too close for me, and I want to do something about this, because I still feel this way. You know, I still feel like, and my wife would probably fully admit it, you know, I, I, I was having issues of anxiety, I was having issues of self-esteem, I was having still a lot of these same issues I let go on and on and on. And I said, well, you know, maybe if I write them all down, maybe if I create this website so that others don't feel alone and know that there's adults who still think about these things. And so what I did was open up my own can of worms. <laughs> and without without going through my own recovery, um, started to relive these stories again, which magically became a much bigger thing than I ever thought it would be. Because originally it was just, I'm going to write these stories down. And then people started sending me their stories, of course. And then I started hearing from actually people that I had written about 
these times, you know, they, they actually reached all the way to Lexington, Massachusetts, where all of this happened to me. And so I was starting to hear from those people. And I'm like, how far is this reaching? And finally, what would have been my 25th anniversary um, of, grad, of high school, when they, they had their get-together in Lexington, I was, I was gone before I even went to high school there. And they were talking about this guy who's got this blog site about who writes about all of our bullies, all the bullies we all got attacked by. Really? <laughs> and, and yeah, next thing I knew, I had this flood. That's when the floodgates kind of opened. And I had this flood of people reading my site and talking to me and and all of that. And I think I think for me it was it was overwhelming a bit. Like I, that wasn't my original intent. And then two, I said, you know, I. I didn't get better. I wasn't better. And, and it, it actually started to make it worse because I had, I had opened up this thing. And, and I'll, I'll kind of do an experiment with you later if you want to show you what I mean. Or, but I hadn't, I hadn't come to resolution with my, what, the things that happened to me. So, so you, were, you were writing about it. You were sharing the stories and getting it out, but you still hadn't dealt with it. Yeah, so like my book, my, my memoir, when it finally came out, had an act three. But the first two acts were my childhood and my adult years of suffering due to what happened in my childhood. And there was no act three, what I like to say would be recovery, <laughs> which, which I needed. And so I had my breakdown. Uh, it finally all got to me, uh, came to a head uh, in my midlife. <laughs> And, and I went and, and dealt with the professionals who know how to deal with these things, found out I certainly wasn't alone. I certainly wasn't uh, special in what happened to me versus what happens to other people, and that there, there is a way to get past it, to grow past it. And I did a 180 on my life, <laughs> you know, changed everything, changed the way I thought, started living in a more mindful manner, uh, letting go of the past and looking forward to the future, which is at which point, you know, now that's why I went into coaching because coaching is about taking you from the present to the future. But I had to deal with my past before that. And so I did. And once I, once I did that, I had my act three for my book so that my book wouldn't end on this really down note. And there's a lot of books out there about bullying and unfortunately they do end on down notes, you know, <laughs> I was attacked, yeah. and now my life's ruined. That's the story. It doesn't have to be. So you don't have to stay and, a victim. Yeah. And so, again, if, if there are people that, unfortunately, want to live as a victim because it gives them an excuse for behavior. And that's what I, I certainly was doing that. You know, I was certainly saying, hey, I'm acting this way because I was bullied. But I, got, I have to own that, you know. You have to own your own behavior. You have to own... Do you want to be like that? Is that what you want? You know, and and I didn't. I didn't want that. And so, you know, it's now been five years later. Uh, I did a 180. I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. Um, I don't get stomach aches and anxiety and all of these things that happened to me before and and it's just you, the realization that we we control our minds, our minds don't control us, but we can let them do that. You know, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle 
And when I talk to a lot of people now, they struggle with that. They struggle with, this happened to me, and this is the way my mind's working, and I can't stop it. And I think that's a perfect way for us to to end before we go to the national news, is that that whole thought of, you know, you have to own your own behavior. So I'm going to encourage everybody as we go into the national news break to think about this question. What in your own life do you need to own to take responsibility for and say, okay, what do I need to do to move forward, to enter into my third chapter? So that I'm no longer in the past. I'm moving forward. This no longer defines me and I own my own behavior. If you want to tweet that out to at the Laura Stewart, that'd be great. Or just email me if you need some help figuring all of that out. Uh, Laura at laurastewart.com. We'll be right back with more from Alan Eisenberg. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, We are here with Alan Eisenberg, founder and managing director of Bullying Recovery, himself um, bullied quite a bit extensively as as a youth, and it took till he was an adult till he really got what was going on and found his third act, which is the recovery portion, and able to reconcile a lot that happened to him as as a child. Alan, you know, we talked so much the the first half of the show about the signs that people can look for if their child's mm-hmm. being bullied, or even as an adult, what's going on there and the different symptoms. You've done so much research with all of the books that you've written. Um, One of yours is your experiences of Ladder in the Dark. You have another book, Crossing the Line. You speak Mm -hmm. all over the place on bullying and bullying recovery. Um, In your research, what have you discovered about bullying survivors and bullies? Well, the, the most interesting part of the research is how close they are in terms of personality traits. It's, there's a there's a crosswalk, you know, low self-esteem, uh, insecurity, all all of these things. Abuse at home versus abuse at school, um, ignoring at home versus ignoring at school. They're they're pretty much down the line the same until you get to some some of the more esoteric stuff like you know, are they bigger, stronger? Uh, do they have uh, a group of people that are behind them? Um, do they have a, a different complex or a different personality? We were talking about HSP. Are they the opposite of that? Do they just not care anymore? Um, and so I think when I, when I talk about bullying recovery and when I talk about my company, I don't distinguish between needing, people needing recovery on one side or the other because statistically what, what's shown is you have the, the bully survivors who have these long-term damages that I've, I've talked about myself what I what I had is no different than what <laughs> tons of bullying survivors have, which is you know anxiety, depression, uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, as I said, um, and and feeling incredibly low self-esteem or no self-esteem and no no authentic self uh, versus bullies who, if you know what the studies are showing, is that bullies who relentlessly bully over the long term. Sixty percent of them will have one um, arrest conviction, which will ruin their life, of course, because of course jobs and everything else gets a lot harder. Forty percent of that sixty percent will have two. 
and that's pretty pretty alarming statistics. So really, you know, one, on one side is a person who is internally harmed. On the other side is a person who's externally ostracized. Um, and, and, of course, a, a bully as a youth who doesn't get any help becomes that bully manager you have at work or that bully neighbor you have in your in your uh, complex. You know, we, we don't always change, and, and personalities are personalities. I have several um, people I know that are victims of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you look back in their their past, you, you on the surface, it doesn't seem like this person should ever have allowed themselves to become a victim of domestic abuse because they always seem like such strong people. Mm-hmm. Is, does it always track back to something that might have happened in their childhood? Or what is it that I, I, allows, say, no. you know, I know we talk mostly about youth right now, but an adult, you don't necessarily think domestic abuse. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, as I've continued on the, the journey uh, of, of doing the bullying research, workplace bullying has gotten huge, and so has familial bullying, you know, where a family member, whether that's a brother, a father, a spouse, is, is a huge area that's um, been, is probably the next thing that's going to be the breakthrough. You know, we talk about youth bullying now. I think that's our next breakthrough is really talking about the adult bullying. Um, but I think what happens as an adult, you know, it, it could have to do with personality. Certainly, I'm still a HSP. I certainly, I'm still can be affected by the things around me. But really, um, what what you're t- what you can start talking about as an adult is, you know, are they trapped? And what do I mean by trapped? A lot of us feel, you know, like if you have a boss and the boss is bullying you you got to get a paycheck. I mean, I got two kids. I got to pay for their college. I got to pay for their life. I can't afford to lose my job. You know, that's a trap. I got married and if I get divorced, what do I lose out of that? That's a trap. And so I think we can start feeling these traps surrounding us instead of sort of other things as kids where we feel like we, you know, we're a little we're a little more sensitive as children in terms of, you know, we, we see the world in a very small piece. You know, as we get older, we see this bigger timeline of life, and then you're in this, you're in this point, and you, you can feel like, I can't get out of that. Like, I, I know a lot of people, again, they're in d- domestic abuse marriages. <laughs> I won't say who, but someone very close in my family. And, you know, they've just reconciled that this is their life. And... You know, we talk about it. I talk to them. They know it. But they're, they're just, you know, are afraid to do anything about it. Or they have their own self-esteem issues, this particular person, who, um, who they're still working it out. They still feel like, well, this is the best I could do. And so they're afraid. You know, it becomes a fear thing. All of the things that are going to have to change, you know, they won't have money. They won't have that income. Maybe it's a retirement. Maybe it's the kids. They're worried about losing their kids, right? There's, there's so many other aspects when we're adults, and that's, that's part of the problem is, you know, there, there's great books out there about business and, you know, when you should let someone go who might be your best employee technically, but they're a horrible employee culturally. Well, the same, same thing's true in our relationships. You know, you could be with a doctor, right, and they make great money or a lawyer, but they could be an abuser. And so are you there because of the money 
And are you are you sacrificing your happiness, your life? And where's that coming from? I'm not sure that that's been studied as much as it, it might be in the future, but it's an interesting point as to whether it stemmed from earlier days or not, or it's just part of the fact that they feel this trap. And that's what we talk about as adults a lot is feeling trapped, particularly in workplace bullying situations. Well, and it sounds like that's a very much a parallel to the childhood bullying. They feel trapped and they feel suicide or something mm-hmm. else is their only way out. So what are some steps? What are some things that if somebody's being bullied right now, whether they're mm-hmm. a child or an adult, what are some things that they can do right now to help themselves? Well, the first thing that you, you should always do is, is talk to a trusted person. Um, when, when you're feeling this way, uh, the, it, trust is, becomes a very delicate issue. And there are, there are, of course, trusted people out there. But part of my mission in my company is to help people who would be those trusted people, mentors, counselors at school, school administration, even adults in the community, um, learn to recognize, you know, when, when a child comes to you, when someone comes to you, you know, how to be uh, empathetic if you can be, or at, the, at a minimal sympathetic. And, and uh, I think that's, that's the first step, is that you have to pay attention. And if they're not coming to you, then I, I go back to looking for those signs and being, having awareness. Um, but, but the first thing is, is to get them a support mechanism, because that's where, the, that's where the danger lies, is when there's no support, when there's nobody watching, there's nobody paying attention. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to say it, but there are parents who just don't pay attention to their children. So I think as, as a community, you have to pay attention because most people, as, as good a mask as they could wear, as good a mask as I could wear, it, it's never going to be good enough to not see certain things that you know about someone. So I would say number one is seek help, you know, whether that's there's a suicide hotline, of course, there are, are tons and tons and tons of people, people like myself, and of course anyone can contact me, who, who are want, want to help you, want to give you good direction to, to get the help that you need. Um, and with that comes, you know, the, the hard part, which is you have to want to have the help. You have to want the help. And that's the sad part. That's the scary part is when, when someone gets down to the point of suicide or, as I even say, of, of school violence, of bringing weapons to school, which is another aspect of this thing. Um, when it gets down to that, it's, you know, it's, it's it become almost too late. <laughs> you, 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 should, you, you have to really be ahead of it. And we have to realize that this is, you know, this is the things that go on. Like, we have to have those tough conversations where we will what we refer to as really, really hard conversations with our children. And they may or may not respond depending on their age to you. And then, you know, as an adult, it, it's not bad to, to try to find someone who they can talk to. You know, there was a point where with my son, you know, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm sending you to the counselor at school because you're not talking to me. And, you know, then he started talking to me. <laughs> so sometimes you have to, you have to say, hey, um, you know, I need, to, I need to help them get help. But getting help is really the first step because talking about it's going to be the first breakthrough. 
and not and, and the shame losing the shame of it because what we find is you know when someone commits suicide they're leaving a note talking about how ashamed they are of what's happening to them and that's the opposite of how they should feel unfortunately but that's how they feel okay so we're going to go into our last commercial break for the show and i'd like everybody to think about for for this commercial break is there an area of your life that you feel shame about because it's probably not something you should be ashamed about Brene brent does wonderful work around this and we're here with ellen eisenberg we'll be right back with more from it's all about the questions Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. So when Alan and I were talking during the commercial break, I realized that I made a slip of the tongue. I said Brene Brent instead of Brene Brown, who wrote all the amazing books, Rising Strong and whatever. The reason I, I did that slip is a dear friend of mine, Brene Brent, wrote a fantastic book called How Big Is Your Butt, B-U-T?, um, and she talks about a lot of these similar topics and, and how you can shift out of your butt and your victim and, and all of that other stuff. And um, so, Renee, if you're listening, hey, there's a plug for your book because I think it's a book everybody should read. And it's 99 cents on Amazon right now on Kindle. Um, she's doing a special holiday thing so people can get the help they need. So, um, Alan, in talking about Brene, Brent, Brene Brown and, and the work that she does around shame, and mm-hmm. we were talking about a couple of different things during the, the commercial break, one of them being sympathy versus empathy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, Let's take that on air with everybody and, and go into right. that conversation. Right. I think this is really one of the most critical things because, again, what, what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a bullying survivor or even a bully, again, as we talked about, they both have their own damaged uh, areas that they're dealing with is the real difference between sympathy and empathy. And I think it's really important, and as a, as a practicing coach, I, I believe this too, whether it's therapy, coaching, or psychiatry, or anything that you might go find someone, as we were talking about finding someone to help, is to try to find someone who's empathetic to what you go, you're going through. And that, that means that they understand because they've had they've gone through their own things. Now it might not be exactly like you, but obviously someone who's conquered depression is really good to talk to if you have depression because they've been down that hole and Renee Brown has this wonderful video right on YouTube if you look up Renee Brown Sympathy Empathy, you know, that, that sympathy pushes people away and empathy brings people together and what she means by that and what I believe also about that is that you know if you're in a dark place and and you you know ladder in the dark is about this hole that I dug and buried buried these memories and so it was funny in, in this video she has someone fall into this dark place the empathetic person and the character in, in the story comes down and says, you know, listen, you know, I, I've been there. I know uh, there's nothing I can say other than, you know, I'm here for you and, and I understand. And then the sympathetic character, you know, she says, is always trying to paint a silver line around the dark cloud that the person has. Like, oh, this is too bad you feel this way. And, and the person will say, you know, the, the person with the depression or the sadness will say, you know, my... Uh, my son's getting bad grades at school, and at least your daughter's a straight-A student. And then one of it was, I had a miscarriage, and 
And it's like, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. <laughs> That's the sympathy answer, right? And it was funny because I actually, you know, in my life, uh, I, we had a dear friend who lost their nine-year-old boy who's just wonderful mother. Um, the nine-year-old boy died in an accident. She had four other children. And we're at the funeral, and I remember to this day that someone came up to her and said, well, aren't you lucky you still have four other children? Oh. <laughs> it's like... That's what we do, you know, and, and so the difference between trying to be sympathetic, you, you can't fake empathy. So one thing I always say is you have to be careful when you do deal with people who are in delicate emotional states and not try to be sympathetic, right, because that's very disengaging. And that, that's very, it can, you know, you don't mean to be hurtful, right? You're trying to make someone feel better you really don't have the tools in your toolbox to do that. So like if someone came to me and said, you know, I want coaching and this is my problem and I've got no awareness other than sympathy to that problem, I'll usually try to find another coach who could have empathy with them because they're going to get a lot more out of that. And I think that's important that we, you know, it's almost like we have to teach empathy and we have to make people realize what it is because I think a lot of the times we confuse sympathy and empathy, right? I, I think that we, we don't see them uh, as two completely different things and that we think we should be sympathetic when really what we need to be is more empathetic. It's like a point of reference. You need to understand where the person's coming from or have something that's sort of relatable in order to better help them through right. whatever they're going through. Okay. Right. Like, you know, like when people are depressed, they usually don't want to go anywhere and do anything. And for someone to keep hounding them sympathetically and say, oh, come on, get out of bed already. And, you know, let's go take a walk. Let's go do something. I mean, it's it's a terrifying proposition for someone with depression when you say things like that. You know, if you want to climb into bed with them and talk to them, that they would love that. But they really, you know, you... you you're, you're, you have to understand what they're feeling, you know, and what they're feeling is their mind is telling them they have to be like this, but they don't want to be. You know, they do want to get out of bed, but they can't. So as, you know. as one of my clients said to me, she said, Laura, why I love working with you is because you meet me where I'm at and one step above where I'm at, and mm-hmm. you help me move out of where I'm at in a way that doesn't put my walls up. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what you just said struck the other thing that, that I learned um, is I, I was thinking, you know, it's kind of like, how, how do you think? Do you think pessimistically, glass half empty or glass half full? Well, these, these are true things. I mean, the, the way people think, I think my mom, my mom explained it to me the best when, when I was actually interviewing her for my first book. Um, she said that she went to a meeting and they have topics at their meeting. And this is why I, earlier I said my mom's like a Pollyanna. This is the way she thinks. The meeting was when someone doesn't like you, do you say, what's wrong with me or what's wrong with them? And the answer to that question would tell you a whole lot about yourself. And I thought, that is so powerful. It's incredibly powerful. You know, because I was certainly a what's wrong with me person and didn't even take into consideration, again, empathy. What's wrong with them? Maybe there's something going on in their life. And maybe, you know, I, you know, but as a child, of course, I'm not going to be thinking like that. But that's something we need to start to realize we have to ask. And then how do we make that change to, 
start thinking what's wrong with them instead of thinking what's wrong with me. I don't spend a day now thinking anything's wrong with me. I am who I am, and I'm I'm very happy about who I am. But it didn't happen overnight, you know. So, so one of the first things that I did, and one of the things you were just cueing me on, is to break the cycle of sort of this glass half full, glass half empty thinking. Um, what what I what I decided, what I kind of came up with was, you know, you hear life is a journey. You hear this all the time. You know, we're born. And then we, you know, we have kids and then or we don't have kids and we, you know, we work and then we retire and then we get old and then we die, right? You know, and that's life. That's not life. <laughs> life are these little journeys that happen and they have beginnings and endings. You know, you're born and then you're a baby and then you're not a baby. And then you start, you go to school and then school's done. I mean, you might maybe go to college, maybe you get your first job. But if we don't allow for these endings, if we don't allow for us to have small journeys, and each one being different, that's when we get stuck. And so like we were talking about earlier, when it comes to adults and why they feel trapped, because they don't realize that journeys can end and new journeys can begin, and that life is not about happiness, it's about contentment. And when I say contentment, I mean just what, just what you think. If you got 50% happiness and 50% sadness, that's contentment. That's life. And we have to accept that that's the balance of life, the yin-yang, if you want to call it that. I love but that. We, and we we're, we're almost at the end of the show, so I want to make sure that since people have been asking, how do they reach out to you if they need some help or know somebody that needs to get some help with bullying and yeah. bullying recovery? So, so you definitely want to just contact me through my website which is bullyingrecovery.org. Or if you want to connect to me through my coaching program, you can still do that through bullyingrecovery.org, but you can get right to it by going into Healthy You Coaching, just the letter U, not Y-O-U, dot bullyingrecovery.org. And then once you once you do that, you'll go right to my coaching site. Okay. And I'm always available. All right, well... Thank you so much for being on the show today, Alan, and enlightening us with um, everything that people can do to get awareness about bullying and bullying recovery. I, I thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Remember, everyone, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking yourself today? And hey, if you're in Vero Beach, come join me at the Vero Beach Book Center tonight. I am doing a book signing for a book that I contributed called The Mentors That Matter. So Vero Beach Book Center tonight, 6 p.m. if you're here local. been listening to it's all about the questions starring laura stewart connect with laura at it's all about the and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today